Welcome to the Hotline, the podcast. Kevin Acey. I am at Petco Park. I am the beat writer for the Union Tribune covering the Padres. My boss, Jay Posner. You're just down the block, just down I, the road. I am, and it's good to know that you're back on the beat. You know, after this, <laughs> that after that break. long, long vacation that you had, uh, stranding poor Jeff Sanders out there for what was it, two entire games? Yes, two days in Seattle, and and uh, I would like to say that I mean the first one certainly eventful. Nelson Lamette, a, a no hitter, what the second longest uh, bid this season, and uh, then yesterday, well, I don't know, Tatis homers, Mejia homers, uh, and Will Myers matches him with a couple. Misplaced. Yeah, so, I mean, it was. I well, I mean, we'll go back to. We should go back to Tuesday. We'll mention Padres are playing the Rockies four games starting tonight. Both teams have been horrendous in the last six weeks or so. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Tuesday night, Denelson Lamette. I, I was a little surprised. Number one, I was surprised he was throwing a no hitter because it just felt like in the first couple innings he, he was having trouble. I don't even know if he knew where the ball was going, but he, he had like, at one point I think it was four strikeouts and or four walks and five strikeouts. And we'll preface all this by saying the Mariners are not a very good offense, but you can't take away from the way Lamette straightened himself out. And all of a sudden he's got a no hitter, but his pitch count's rising. Hadn't thrown more than I believe eighty eight pitches in any start this year since coming back from Tommy John, and I think he was at about 84 maybe after six innings, and he went back out for the seventh, and I have to say I was surprised by that. I don't know how you felt about it. Um, Unless the plan before the game was to have him go more into the 90s, it just felt kind of weird that he would go back out there. It wasn't like he was going to finish nine. Was I the only one surprised, or did you kind of expect that they would allow him to to sort of push on for one more inning. And since I wasn't there and, I, and I, I haven't seen any reaction to it, my only was that, yeah, let, let, let's see what he can do. That's sort of been the take with in these types of situations, as long as it's not detrimental to the health of, of a pitcher. And also for Denelson Lamette. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that game summed up Denelson Lamette. I mean, right. that was incredible. His stuff is ace stuff. His control his command is not a stuff. Every once in a while, he's gonna he's gonna put together a better game than that. I'm not saying a no hitter. He's gonna have a night where he goes nine. He gives up, uh, you know, he walks a guy and gives up a home run, and he gives up two runs uh, on on one hit. That's gonna be what Denelson Lamette is capable of doing. Uh, he's a better Luis Perdomo. Don't know how you feel about that comparison, but he's a better Luis Perdomo. Uh, the capability to be, I mean, a guy who, gosh, if the Nelson Lamette's your number three or four starter, and every once in a while he's giving you a gem like that, I think that's fantastic. I, I guess anymore, what Andy does, I always wait to hear what was Andy Green's thinking on it, because there's always some, it's, it's, it's just, I shouldn't say never, there's a couple times where he said, I blew it. It's always something, and I'll be, you know, since I wasn't there, I, I I have not familiarized myself with his thinking there. Right. And again, it could have been where they felt how he was throwing and everything that he yep. could go one more. It just it, I was a little surprised to see him wind up over 100 just with how careful that they've been, uh, not only with Lamette, but with Paddock and with other guys okay. uh, as well this I, year. And he did throw well in that last inning. He did seem a little mm-hmm. bit like he was laboring. He got, I think he got bailed out. The last batter swung at a pitch that bounced like six feet in front of home plate. If I'm remembering that at bat, but he threw. I think he got him. Ended up with his what twelfth strikeout on the uh, last batter, and he's still throwing like 95, 96 to the last. You know, and here's what I can assure guy. you. Here's something I always know, like unequivocally, and anybody who would doubt this, based on what they've proved, to me, it's proof. If a guy is going back out there, it's because they 
believe it is not going to be a detriment to his health. Because sure. that has been paramount to their whole thing. Right. Like, you right. know, health is number one. Uh, and as well it should be, considering all the other things we've talked about of what this season is. So I thought that was, man, that was like, Sometimes Denelson Lamette has a game where he's completely wild, and you go, what a Denelson Lamette game. Then Denelson Lamette, like in 2017, had quite a few games where, man, that was really good. Mm -hmm. Good command, his stuff. Well, that was a Denelson Lamette game. This game combined all of Denelson Lamette. Right, and then even allowing him to finish the inning after giving up a couple hits was... was interesting, but he did finish it, and so we, you know, maybe it was one of those we've talked about it many times and and, and been criticized, at least I've been criticized for saying that sometimes they're just trying to find out about guys, and I think that might have been a case where they were trying to find out something about yeah. uh, about Lamette, and he, he showed something there, and, and now we'll see him, I guess his next start will be probably Monday now against Tampa, you know, a good team from the American League, so be, curi- be curious how he uh, fares in that, but we can get to that next week. Yesterday just seemed like sort of more of the same from what we've seen these last few weeks. Joey Lucchese wasn't bad. He wasn't good. Uh, you know, the, the final numbers were okay, but you know, again, wasn't helped by some of the defense behind him. Uh, just And and just one of those games. And, and the offense, I, I don't know. I mean, what are you going to say about the offense? I mean, Tatis almost hit one out of the stadium to lead off the game and then they you know they got some guys on they couldn't bring them in you know you don't want to see hedges up with the bases loaded and two out kind of the last guy there and he ends up popping up uh, Mejia hit the home run to get him even and then they have another bad you know sort of a, a bad break defensively and then a bad break where hedges made a great play coming out from behind a plate throws to third base and Malik Smith was safe by I, you know, of course, Mark Wenger would blow the call. Wegner would blow the call because he was only standing one foot from where that was made. Um, you said he wanted to talk about umpires last time, and I cut you off. Um, and uh, and that was just, you know, I think Hedges made the right play there, trying to get the guy, and almost any other runner, he gets him. And, you know, the guy was safe by, you know, by a couple inches, so it happens. And they couldn't get a hit to save their lives. Uh, there you go. You they know. couldn't get a hit. They got a couple home runs, and there you have it. If you were going to say, I need one sentence to sum up uh, the Padres' offense this season, it it would be that. Yeah. Got a couple home runs, but nothing else. Right, uh, right. And uh, so it ends up, they are now 7-16 and since the break. But since June June 30th, and I picked that date for a reason, which you'll see in a second with the Rockies. Since June 30th, they are 10-21. and and that is actually two games better than the Rockies in that time span. The, the Rockies were 44 and 39 going into their game on June 30 against the Dodgers. They're eight and 23 since then. They lost six in a row going into the break. They're eight and 17 uh, coming out of the break. They've had a couple six game that six game losing streak before the break, another one after the break. They're now 52 and 62. The Padres are 52 and 61. Their run differentials are almost even, so I guess what we're saying is this weekend we're seeing a couple of of, of really mediocre, and that's putting it kindly, teams um, at Petco. The, the Rockies do have a couple of starters, I will say, before I turn it back over to you, but John Gray has a war of 4.1 and Herman Marquez at 3.6. So they do have two starters who have pitched pretty well. The Padres will see Gray tonight and Marquez I believe pitches on Sunday um, yeah. and uh, just to compare the the top Padre starter in terms of war is Chris Paddock at, at 
2.0, 2.2, depends on which site you look at on which day, I think. Um, their rotation is what this week, Kevin? Lauer goes tonight? Lauer tonight, uh, Paddock against Freeland tomorrow, or I'm sorry, uh, Cal Quantrill against Freeland tomorrow uh, night. Uh, Chris Paddock is on Saturday. We're not sure what is happening with the uh, Rockies, where they're going to go with the bullpen game or what their situation is. On uh, And then on Sunday, the Padres have a TBD, and that is likely a bullpen game because I don't see any other option. That's just what they've been doing, and they I don't see them inclined to call somebody up. So uh, Herman Marquez will face uh the Padres bullpen uh, on Sunday. So Lauer, Quantrill, Paddock, bullpen. Right. Okay. So we have uh, there you go. We have that, and uh, I mean, I always enjoy when the Rockies are here because I enjoy guys like Arenado and Story are always uh, are fun to watch. I mean, that, you talk about you know left sides of the infield in uh, mm-hmm. in the National League West, and you have Arenado and Story, and you have you know Justin Turner and and Corey Seager, and then the guy we want to talk about for the rest of the show is Fernando Tatis with Manny Machado. Um, Tatis is about to qualify officially, Kevin, as a yeah, in the terms cool. of stats. Right, like to say what, what do they say? Qualify for the batting title. That just means that uh, he's averaging three point one plate appearances per game his team has played. Uh, it quali- that's what a qualifier is, and uh, Pat or. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. is six shy today of that. And then obviously with every game, you got to get some more <laughs> plate appearances. But based on the fact that he gets a minimum of four and uh, quite often five plate appearances mm-hmm. a game, I would say by the end of the weekend, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. will be a qualifier. And that, that's significant because then we don't need any more qualifiers to be able to, to talk <laughs> about him. Like, you know, <laughs> if he qualified, nope, he's a qualifier. Uh, he's a guy who... Yeah, Jay, some of the numbers are all-time. You know, uh, very few people have, uh, have the power speed numbers that, that he has this year. Uh, he's second to Brian Reynolds among rookies in both average and on-base percentage. He leads all uh, rookies in uh, slugging percentage and OPS, and that includes Pete Alonso, uh, who... Uh, you know, has 36 home runs. Well, 37. 37. 37th yesterday. Yeah. Uh, the same day, Tatis hit his 21st. Um, yeah, 30, so, 37 homers, yeah. and Tatis still has a better slugging percentage because of the, the 21 homers. He's got 12 doubles, 5 triples. So I know you're writing about this, so give give people a preview. I think the, the story will probably come out about the time that the podcast does, but what, what, what can we look for in the story about uh, Tatis today? You know, the fact that he is... Reason of the milestone, the fact that he's becoming a qualifier. And look, there are 39 games left in the Padres season. Figure Tortiz will start, what, 48 of those? So there's a ways to go. Like right now, historically, there are, I think, three players uh, since 1970. It might be four, but uh, like Ryan Bond, Mark McGuire, Albert Pujols, and, and Aaron Judge in terms of like OPS as rookies, right? Right. That, that right. are better than him, okay? No, he's got 49 starts or 49 games to go. But the thing about Fernando Tatis Jr. is the consistency. Like, what, unless there's another injury, right, which he obviously what we thought was a detriment to his rookie of the year, Kennedy, maybe helped him. <laughs> Gave him a 34-game uh, rest. Uh, but every time we think, maybe the guy's going to hit the rookie wall, he just jumps right over it. Remember when uh, this is the last uh, in-depth story, and this one, 
I just need to tell you as my boss, this one won't be as in depth. Uh, but uh, <laughs> the last time we were talking about Fernando Tatis uh, specifically for any length of time on the podcast and that I wrote about him uh, was coming out of Miami. Uh, Fernando Tatis in the middle of uh, July, uh, two games in a row without a hit. He also committed a couple errors. I think it was four errors in three games. It was, you know, a lot of strikeouts, which has been a season-long theme, but everybody strikes out, as you and I were talking about earlier right. today. Um, but, but it's like, oh no, you know, and you know what? I'll tell you what, that just sort of exacerbated in my mind. You know, he looked tired. Some of the body language, right? Um, you know, he's getting the shoulder iced. I was starting to notice that more. Like, oh man, two games in a row. Do you know he's never gone three, Jay? And you know that since that day, July 17th, the second of those two headless games, he's hit in 16 of 17. He's writing an 11-game hit streak now. He, the kid, does not slump. And I think that that is why we could be confident that it's probably a two-horse race, maybe a three-horse race, uh, Jay, do you think, for the, for the rookie of the year in the National League? Yeah, I would say right now we're looking at three. Uh, you've got Tatis and, and Alonzo are the obvious two uh, candidates among, among hitters. And, and Tatis has the right now a 987 OPS. Alonzo's at 958. If you look at adjusted... OPS 159 to 152. If you look at runs created plus, weighted runs created plus on fan graphs, that's 155, 149. I mean, Tatis has an advantage basically in in all the categories with the exception of, of home runs and RBI, and that's obvious. I mean, Alonso more of a power hitter, and he also hits in the three spot in the order, and, and Tatis leads off. So, but a lot, uh, Tatis an advantage everywhere. Looking at war, which I was doing today, both of them are at, are at 4.1. That's according to baseball reference. And again, that's, you know, Tatis has played 36 fewer games than Alonzo. Mm-hmm. Um, so you figure if they're going to continue at the kind of the pace that they're doing, then Tatis is going to pull away there. The other guy to uh, consider and, and deserve strong consideration, I mean, he's been really good, is Mike Soroka the pitcher for the Braves. He's at a 4.0 war, 20 starts, uh, a 10-2 and two record for whatever that's worth, but a 2.45 ERA mm-hmm. and an adjusted ERA of 186, which is outstanding. So uh, I don't think you can discount him, especially he plays for a very good team, which, you know, some voters seem to seem to factor in. Otherwise, Mike Trout would be the MVP every single year. <laughs> but uh, Soroka's the other guy that I think, and again, Brian Reynolds has been outstanding for uh, the Pirates. I've seen him in person a couple times, and he was um, he was impressive. And then you've you know you get down uh, Paddock is probably you know five six somewhere in the uh, in the voting there. But I, I think we're looking at a, a three man race right now, and I, I would make Tatis the favorite, and and Alonso and Soroka you know sort of right behind him. Uh, at, at this point, and again, we've still got you know almost what 40, almost forty games for all of them uh, to go. Another point that I'm making the story, and I think is is important to keep this all sort of in perspective, is rookie of the year. I mean, of all the awards, uh, there's a lot of guys you've never heard of that have won rookie of the year. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I think it's Absolute. important to a lot of fans, and and obviously the <laughs> Tatis would would be very important to him in the big picture. It doesn't mean anything, but you know, right. it, it would be nice, I'm sure, for a lot of people to be able to celebrate, uh, you know, uh, something oh like gosh. that, and especially, and I think, especially my, Tatis. I'm I'm using it that that just that is like that 
the perspective of I mean, a guy like Brian Reynolds, like when I covered the Dodgers, Todd Hollinsworth won Rookie of the Year for the Dodgers, okay? Right. Todd Hollinsworth. Um, Mike Dioff had won it two years earlier, three years earlier. That's a big deal, right, in terms of when you look back in history. Brian Reynolds could win in many years, could well be the leader in Rookie of the Year uh, candidacy right now. But he's not because got Tatis and Alonso doing historic things. Right. So, no, I mean, Brian Reynolds one, is a really good player. He's a really good player, right. better player than Todd Hollinsworth was as a... Uh, there uh, you go. That's why I picked Hollinsworth, because yeah. also I knew about it. Sure. And <laughs> I, I believe it actually, this year, winning the Wicked is like so many years, we're not even questioning. Like, Tatis could have missed 80 games and with these numbers <laughs> right. to be the runaway right. rookie of the year. And I, I think I will just leave it with this. I, I think the the best thing about Fernando Tatis is that we, and by that I mean all people who either you know follow the Padres as fans, as media, just you know live in the city, whatever it is, we get to see this guy every single day. And I've, I've said that before. And yeah. I just, as a fan, that's one of those things where you know we haven't had that kind of guy on the Padres uh, as a city to watch. And now you have Tatis and, and, and Machado as well as guys that you get to watch them every single day. And I think that, you know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't take that for granted. And, uh, you know, we'll get back to talking wins and losses at another point. But uh, I, I, think, I think just getting to see Tatis and, again, Machado every single day is, is something that we should, uh, we should welcome. That's a great point in so many ways, and, and one of them is like what you were talking about earlier. Like I know you're coming out as a paying customer two of these four days, uh, and you know, story Aaron Nado, Machado, and uh, Tatis on the same field right now. There aren't going to be too many ballparks uh, around uh, the country tonight that have uh, those that many uh, players on the field. That like there's a potential every play for something uh, special to happen. That's right. that's pretty cool. Right. Uh, the other thing is, remember when Tatis came up and and um, he started out pretty well, and the sentiment you just said was the sentiment that a lot of fans had because the Padres hadn't you know started so hot yet, right? I'm talking pre you know them being in first place for a few days there, right? And and challenging for the wild card. And I think I remember the sentiment of a lot of fans being, well, at least we have Tatis this year, you know, and and that and that there was something to be appreciative of that now we seem to you know rightfully so it's been a long time since they've won gotten lost in the in the wins and losses which look that's super important but big picture here a great point i mean to be able to come watch it like i'm telling you i've got the prostate of a 70 year old man jay um i do not leave my seat when fernando tatis is coming up that half inning no i mean i i plan that no when i'm in my when i'm in my seat i am always i'm always conscious of when to leave the seat and knowing who's coming up in the next inning and the other thing about it is of course you always hate to leave when the Padres are on defense as well because you never know what you're going to you almost have a chance of seeing something more spectacular from him and Machado defensively even so that it absolutely factors in and especially 
with some of the long lines at Petco, but we're not going to go there. Uh, we'll we'll leave it there. There'll be four four good games. Well, maybe not good games, but four four games at Petco this weekend with the uh, the Padres and the Rockies, and then a good team comes in next week with Tampa. But we will get to that when uh, you and I talk again on Monday here, Kevin. I look forward to that, but I do look forward to these four games that have the potential to have many exciting things happen within them. Thank you for that, Jay. Very, very, good, later. very good way to put it. And have a good weekend, everyone.